Hi everyone, this is Maria Wells with the Savvy Millennial Podcast, a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennials. And today with us, we have Max Jamali. He's a luxury artist based in Toronto. With an award-winning background in fashion photography with his work showcased in Toronto, Miami, LA, and Dubai. He's a mixed media artist famous for the use of luxurious items to create his art. In contrast with other artists, Max focuses his work on luxury itself as a medium. He uses diamond dust, exotic leather, 24 karat gold, and genuine silver and Swarovski crystals. He uses them to create pieces that scream opulence. Every piece is created with his M logo that symbolizes luxury, handcrafted from snakeskin. And with that, please welcome Max. Hi, Max. Hello, hello. How are you, Maria? I'm good. How are you? Thanks. Thanks for coming on. I'm great. Thanks for an amazing introduction. You're probably one of the first guests with such an exciting uh, background, especially in luxury and business. So very excited to have you here with us. Thank you. How are you doing during this COVID season? Still busy. Uh, Like the thing about my work that luckily is a plus during the pandemic we're going through, I pretty much have to have a lot of me time to create my pieces. I have to kind of create them like uh, mentally, with my imagination, go through my computer, like render stuff. It's very similar to interior design because a lot of times when I do custom designs, I have to render the images and send it to my clients. So like this, there's a lot of process behind even creating the actual piece itself. Because of that, I always have to sit behind the computer and work anyways. So the only difference is now I just can't go to the office. I just have to do everything at home. That was a little bit tricky to get used to because I'm not really a home office person. But I'm kind of used to it at this point. I started getting ready every morning, so I don't feel like I'm you know, at home. And that's really helped out. I like the positivity and staying upright during these disastrous times. Now, for people who don't really know about Max or art in general... Could you let us into your background and, you know, your story and how you started in this industry, considering that you were a fashion photographer first, correct? Yes, I've done uh, close to 10 years of fashion photography before I got uh, into the art world. I always loved creativity. When I was 12, I actually started music and painting. When I was 17, I was actually a music teacher before I moved to Canada. It's just like I always like to express myself, I guess, in different ways. Then when I came here, I uh, went to uh, business school at Ryerson, which was a great idea. Actually, now I use a lot of that knowledge, like the marketing and branding in pretty much in any companies that I've had since then. What happened then, I basically, to cut it short, I had a, I had a business before photography that was importing a bunch of like specific products and I sold that. And then I got into photography full time. And then I created a company. A lot of people know me as a photographer, but my company was all around creating visual marketing for individuals or for corporations. And the company itself was around maybe six, seven years. And then I transitioned that into art. For me, I just, a lot of people do ask me why I transitioned from photography. I loved photography and I still do. The reason I transitioned was because art is a lot longer lasting for me. One of the problems I had with photography and projects I was doing is everything I was creating, take it from just campaigns to cover uh, stories for magazines. It just didn't last as long as you wanted to. You put a lot of you know creativity, effort and energy into something that only lasts for a month or so. And then it's pretty much forgotten. 
uh, when the next issue comes out. That kind of always bothered me because a lot of people that know about photography, there's a lot of attention and details that goes through every project. It's, it's very similar to art. And then I kind of wanted to do the same thing, but make it in a way that it lasts longer than me, I guess. And that's one of the reasons I kind of like thought about getting into to the art world. And slowly, I started it like around five years ago. And around two and a half years ago, I uh, completely transitioned and uh, kind of like, you know, dropped the photography and uh, became a full-time artist. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. That's actually exciting. So going back, you moved to Canada. You used to be a music teacher. In Dubai, I was also like, you know, I was studying, um, you know, in high school. So music was just like on the side. I guess it was a way of me kind of like, you know, having more social proof or something, you know, that basically that was having a side hustle me. always. To be honest with you, I never got into music for money and I, I didn't really make that much money out of it. I just wanted to have something else that really I related to other than just studies. And that was a really good way of me kind of like expressing myself, I guess. So now do you still create music? Uh, by music, I don't mean like, you know, I wasn't uh, a composer. I was a flamenco guitar player. So, it's so like do it was you like a still, Spanish do you guitar. still play? I was teaching that. Uh, Play-wise, very rarely. I know I should kind what? of get back to it. I'm definitely very rusty. <laughs> I do have a guitar, but it's not really like in my daily routine to play it. I, I Once in a while, maybe like once a month or so, I just kind of like, you know, sit and jam. Or sometimes when my friends kind of push me into jamming with them, we do so. But definitely not as much as before. I just got a guitar, so I'm going to make you nice. uh, uh, teach me how to play because what I kind of don't guitar did you get? The regular one, acoustic, the normal strings, nothing fancy. I just acoustic figured, you know. Or, or classical? Are they like uh, the plastic strings or the metal strings? They're metal. Is it it's better? <laughs> you probably have to play with a pick, right? Correct. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I use my fingers to play. Oh, and I can't use my fingers to play metal? I mean, probably uh, if I don't could, really care. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's just not, not as smooth as, as classical or flamenco guitar. When it comes down to fingers, the techniques are very different. But I love acoustic. It just sounds amazing. Even like singing with it or just playing it. I always wanted to uh, learn how to you know play the guitar we pick, but I never really got around. Now I'm going to start uh, teaching myself and I might ask you for a lesson during this self-isolation time to get better at it. Perfect. So now going back to you moving to Canada, you know, starting businesses, then being a photographer, going into luxury art. First of all, why luxury art? Can you explain a little bit uh, the background behind that? Absolutely. So I grew up in Dubai. You know, moving to Dubai from Iran was such a culture shock for me. Like I moved there when I was like around 11. And uh, of course, Iran is like, you know, it's a lot more conservative. It's like, it's a whole different world. The thing about Dubai, at least for me, a lot of people, when I talk to them, they have like, you know, it's, it's like anywhere else. Everyone has a different take on different places. For me, Dubai was literally the symbol of luxury. It was just like from their hotels to like their, those crazy lobbies to like, you know, the hotel that's like the whole lobby is like coated with like gold to like, you know, to seven star hotels. And like, it's just, there was so much inspiration. And because again, for me, I've always been some sort of an artist. I guess I kind of like took that really in. And I always wanted to create something. At the back of my mind, I was creating it for that market. 
So I was kind of creating something that reminded me of that market that would be something that that market would want to have. So I started like looking and seeing like, okay, so what makes these people excited? What makes me excited if I'm living there and I'm the buyer? So a lot of times I always do that. I always try to put myself in my buyer's shoes and try to look at it from like a luxury viewpoint. The thing about luxury is it's such a vague word. The definition of it changes from person to person and from like country to country and industry to industry. But what for me, what was luxury is looking at one piece of art or that that would give you the same feeling as walking into like a very exotic five-star hotels lobby. The harmony of the elements, I, would, I guess, would kind of work together to create that feeling. And um, that's literally the reason I started looking into what's possible. And then I kind of like, you know, I started playing around with different materials and come to where you're seeing it now. And it's, it's still evolving. Like every single day, I'm looking at new ideas and new textures and new patterns that I can kind of add to, to kind of like evolve my design. But that's basically definitely the basic reason of it. I love it. So then... How did you stumble upon the diamond dust? Like, did you see it before somewhere? Where did you find the inspiration, so to speak, to create those pieces? Or somebody asked you to create those pieces for them with those materials first? No, actually. So diamond dust, the first time I've seen it was uh, on an artwork from Russell Young. He's a very famous artist. He's been doing it for probably like the last 30 years or so. Uh, The feeling it gave me was very deep it was like this deep kind of like you know uh, those sparkles if they're like you know if they're placed right they definitely create something a lot deeper than just looking at a normal piece of art for you at least that, that's how it was for me and luckily it's the same towards uh, my clients they feel like you know very similar to what i feel i feel like it just gives it another depth into into the whole luxury like when you see something that's layered with like you know with gold and silver and you know crystals and everything and then you put a layer of diamond dust on it It grabs your attention in a different way. It makes you feel differently about that piece of art. And it definitely transforms the space a lot differently than just a normal piece of art, in my opinion. And uh, that's one of the reasons I started using it. I started playing around with it. There are very different ways of applying diamond dust to art. But for me, I use it uh, mostly with resin. The way it sits on art is a lot more elegant. It's a harder process, but I like the elegance of it. I love the elegance of it because I've seen those pieces in person and they look incredible. Now, in terms of the process, how long did it take you to come up with it? Like, you know how they say an overnight success took 10 years. Did you experience something similar how many trials did you do before you stumbled upon your technique? I would say I started playing around with it like I would say two and a half, three years before I launched it. It's just like I wanted to make sure what I kind of like put in the market is something I really want to buy myself. I don't want to rush into it. The length of the process, depending on uh, what materials I'm using, is anywhere between 10 days to 14 days. And usually like uh, what I do is create the base of the design with photorealism so i do a lot of custom work and my clients want different you know some of them want like you know want faces some of them want lips some of them want butterflies some of them want like you know want uh very specific designs but everything i create is created with geometrical shapes that you see repeated on every single artwork i create either that's the background of the artwork or that's the main part of the artwork. I just chose those uh, geometrical shapes because I've never seen them before. And I wanted it to be something that's relatable to my brand. 
And I just really liked it because it just reminded me of crystals. Then after the, the base is ready, I layer it. So the layering takes, uh, depending on, again, how many layers I'm doing, what I'm doing, like uh, what I'm applying over it, it really like that, that time period kind of changes. Interesting. So then, and the clients can obviously go in and ask you to create something of their own, or are you one of those artists who just offers them what you have and they have to purchase whatever you create? How does the process work? I would say 50, 60% of my work is custom because I work developers a lot. I work with like, cost, like luxury developers, uh, within like luxury, uh, like residentials or hotels or like restaurants. And right now, like most of my focus is to like get into the commercial world a lot more, uh, in us and in Europe. Why commercial world? Because more people see it. I feel like it's more appreciated. That doesn't mean that person that owns it appreciates it more. I just want it to be somewhere that's seen more. I don't know. For me, I feel like that's like, it expands the energy a lot more than, you know, a residential. But taking that vision of, uh, from my clients and like turning into an artwork, it's such a cool process because at the end of the day, you have to create something that when they're looking at it every day, they get that rush of energy. And I really want to make sure taking it from the base of the design all the way to like the layers I'm using is definitely something they want. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about the whole art world right now is how rendering those designs really like, you know, make them feel differently. Sometimes I even like, you know, I have to send my clients seven different designs for them to be able to choose one of them. That could actually be a lengthy process as well. But in, in total, it's such a fun world. For me, what I want to do eventually with my business is opening an office that you can come in, you can choose from any materials you want. You can choose like, you know, what we can offer, like potentially very exclusive luxury materials from US, from Canada, from Europe. And then we could kind of like create something with those materials for you that reflects your imagination. I actually have to create a documentary of this process. It's a lot more fun than it sounds right now. I think you should. I mean, it, it is definitely fun. I've uh, watched the Instagram stories because you, you are very active on social media to showcase your process and how it works, which I think is very inspiring. Obviously, not everyone can do it. But if a person wants to get more involved into art or create their own style or, you know, at this crossroads of plunging themselves from their career into being an artist, what would be your recommendation to them? You have to know who your clientele is before starting anything, in my opinion. Like I always believe there are like a thousand different roads to get to success or to get to a point in your life. You just have to really see what your ways are and follow people that really like you relate to and kind of like, you know, just so you don't have to reinvent the wheels. But in my opinion, you have to know your clients before starting your process. Because for me, I knew before I even started my artwork, I knew who my clientele, I want them to be. Like I I knew I'm going to like, I want to sell to high-end hotels and residentials and like basically high-end clientele internationally. So then I kind of like took a step back and I'm like, okay, so if this is my clientele, what am I going to create for them uh, that they want? I didn't really create something, then getting into the market and be like, okay, how am I going to market this? I kind of like, you know, I went backwards. And I usually do that when I do something. It works a lot better for me. So I would say you just have to really know who your market is, what really excites you about your market. And in a way, when you have that vision, I feel like it just pulls you forward rather than you really like pushing yourself forward. So that also makes a huge difference too. 
I love it as a business approach because that you nailed it. You know, you got to create the product that the market wants, not the other way around. Because even in business, you know, we see a lot of entrepreneurs, what they do is they create a product and then they hope that somebody will come. Your approach is obviously how it should be done. You create something with the consumer in mind. And then obviously yeah. you adjust, reiterate, go back, adjust, reiterate, and it's the constant cycle. And I think that's why you're so successful because you're applying those business principle with art and create amazing stuff that a lot of people want at the same time. Absolutely. And also having vision. One of the things that really helps my success is like I have a vision that it, that I can share with people, with my clients, people that I meet in events. I feel like when you have a vision that you're excited about, and you talk to someone about it, that energy itself really helps you out. Excitement is the market, like, you know, it's, it's been a huge part of, uh, you know, how I created my brand and how people helped me expand that brand. Literally always when I talk to someone, either they want to be a part of it or they know someone that wants me to talk to them that they think want to be a part of it. It's just that that helps that word of mouth, which is a huge deal in, in the luxury market. Knowing your whys, knowing your market, and really like, you know, paving the road backwards is definitely like the basis of my business. I totally agree with you. Now, in terms of the vision that you mentioned, so interesting, do you have to adjust uh, or, you know, watch the trends? Because I know you mentioned in the fashion photography side, because Mm -hmm. the fashion is so cyclical, you'll always have to adjust and create something new according to trends or where you see seasons are going. Do you see the same in the luxury art market? Some of your art, you use models. In some of your art, you use brands. Do you think that well, looking onto what's trending right now is what you're going to use in your next art piece or it doesn't really matter? Yes and no, really. Uh, it really depends because like looking at art from like at least like I'm not uh, talking about like 100 years ago, but like, you know, let's say like from like 20, 30 years ago, like taking it from Picasso, that was like crazy, amazing, vibrant pieces all the way to like the art that you see coming from, uh, let's say, Iran. I feel like Iranian art is very close to like European, like kind of Italian art. It's kind of like the kind of art you see that they used to create hundreds of years ago. Like the, the colors are very, again, subtle, be like very deep kind of meanings. But you see someone like Picasso that also like, you know, kept those meanings about war and everything, but then all, like kind of created something crazy and extraordinary at the same time with art is the same thing i feel like i create something that really goes with my personality unless i'm doing a custom piece like it's really different if i'm doing a custom piece for a client i definitely i listen to them i i try to put my own vision into what they want and kind of like merge them into a creation but when i'm creating uh, my series like my my art series and launching them like you know in different events those are usually the artworks that I would want to purchase myself. Like in those ones, I do my homework, I go around, I see a lot of art. I definitely look at art at least one hour a day. When I wake up, that's the first thing I look at and uh, go into uh, bed. That's, which, that's art do you, which art do you look at? Like, do you find inspiration in the classics? all kinds. I either find it on Instagram or I follow like Art New York, like, you know, like Art Basel from the, the past years, seeing like, you know, what, what kind of artists were a part of it. And then I usually go on their website and follow, like see what I liked and I screenshot what I like. I have like a huge database of what art excited me 
And I always go back to that to see why it excited me. And I always try to kind of like bring some elements of that into my future creations. That could be colors or textures or patterns or a mix of all of those stuff. But I definitely like at the end of the day, I have to uh, create something that's I've never seen before myself. I, I don't like copying different designs or arts and stuff. I always have to take that inspiration and really turn it into a Max Jamali piece of art. That's a very important part for me. I love that. Constant research and development. I, I like it. I see some business trends over there. Are you that person who, when you travel, you always attend galleries and museums as part of your fun leisurely time? Like, I love the galleries for sure, but contemporary galleries. Modern art really gets me going. So for me, I really like to go to galleries that, that I know carries artists that are kind of like, you know, that inspire me. But I would love to. Like, that's the first thing I do, like creating that list is definitely like the, one of the first things I do when I'm planning on uh, traveling to like different destinations. If a person... For example, I'm interested in art. I went to art school, but by no means uh, I consider myself an artist. Well, you do. Come on. Like, I've seen your art. They're amazing. I mean, it's all right. It's generic. It's definitely not diamond dust and gold pieces. But (laughs) if I want to visit a city or I'm going to travel somewhere, which event or which specific gallery or museum in a city that any person you think should visit to get inspired or even if you're not into art you should definitely put it on your list what do you think that would be i think you should definitely come to my events for sure <laughs> um, <laughs> that that's a given yes last year art basel miami was my first year attending and exhibiting it's just the energy of that weekend is just next level it inspires you in so many different ways you don't even have to like like art to to enjoy it it's just like that that next level energy mixed with like phenomenon artworks is definitely something I think everyone should experience. That's definitely something I would say that's just the first one. I love Eden Gallery. Their gallery in New York is fantastic. You can even like uh, just Google Eden Gallery uh, in Soho. And they have like two galleries in New York. It's just like, it's beautiful. Like the way they created it. Also, I love Art Angels. That's another gallery I really like. Uh, they're also like, you know, in Miami. There, there are a bunch of other galleries, actually. I don't, I have to really like, you know, go back and like, I can send you the, a list of their names. I don't specifically remember their names, but they have very similar layouts. They use artists that, in my opinion, really create stuff outside of the box. Like when you see it, you know, you haven't seen it before. Like a lot of times when I go to galleries, like I, I see art and I'm like, okay, like this looks like, you know, looks similar to like 10 other artists I've seen. I can, I can do and it I myself. Like, like, do you ever get this thing? Cause I know. Not necessarily people... that. No. Yeah, no, of course. It's just like, but at the same time, it's, it's not about like necessarily me being able to create it. It's just like, it doesn't wow me. It almost feels like the artist was like scared to like, you know, go past their limitations. Maybe that's something that art school kind of gives you because I know like my sister went to film school and I could see those limitations. Like when I was comparing her to a freelance videographers like years ago, I could see the videographers were just going crazy until like they found something they liked. With, with people that are usually study stuff, again, it really depends. In my opinion, they're limited until they let it go. And that letting go part is the tricky part, especially when it comes down to you know, creative walls, you have to, you have to be yourself. You have to like express yourself to, you know, what brought you 
to where you are now. It's all about storytelling. My art's one of the reasons I did all those like uh, model faces because it was a story of me being a fashion photographer and those were the models that really inspired me when I was creating my, my campaigns. And then like, you know, the butterfly was a story of like how I loved like thinking unlimited and like, you know, having hope and like, having that vision. So that butterfly was the symbol of that. And so in everything I create, there is a piece of me and there's a story behind it. I just want that from the artists. When I see stories like that, it really like, you know, it really gets me. But a lot of artists, they're just worried the market is not going to work for them or they're just trying to sell what other artists sell as well. But that's exactly what you shouldn't do because then you have so much competition. It's going to be hard to, you know, get into the market to begin with. I love it. So I totally agree with you. Art school and school in general, I think it gives you the structure and the guidelines of how to get somewhere. And I think it's very important in the beginning because it's good to have some kind of guidelines on how to do things. But I totally agree with you that if you stay for too long or if you rely on that structure too much, you lose your individuality, which in your case is not the case because you actually Mm -hmm. have your own style creation. And I like the advice on letting go because it it is important, frankly, anywhere in life just to let things go and make them thrive yeah if you do that then then you definitely like those people with the knowledge they have and the confidence they have in themselves like it's definitely going to take them to the next level for sure confidence is an important part now a little bit of a pivot first of all how did you get the confidence to start off with and i mean i'm sure you got your confidence for the art from your obviously great professional career as a photographer but then maybe before that how did you develop that confidence to do the art to ask the models to obviously pose for you to convince the clients that you're good enough to work with can you explain us a little bit more of that process honestly confidence is such a daily thing see one thing i do that really helped me out a lot is Again, not pushing myself. I always put stuff in my calendar. There's always like long-term goals, short-term goals. But there are goals that are so exciting for me that really pull me towards them. You know, it's almost like, um, you know, if you're climbing a mountain or like, you know, let's say like the Spartan race. A lot of people are like familiar with that. If someone just puts you in a field and they're like, just do this for no reason, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to do it than you having that medal in your mind and you're like, oh my God, like, you know, when I finish, I'm going to get this medal. Same as like, you know, going for a marathon or like, you know, going up CN Tower. Like when you have an achievable image and you, you can hold that in your mind, I feel like it's a lot easier to push forward because you have, you have a force that's pulling you. I kind of got really good at uh, creating these little things that really pulled me forward. For me, it started from my, my Toronto events, and then it expanded to my international events. And then it's also like, you know, it's expanding to like, you know, my collaborations, the fundraisings, like every little thing that I can do. I always like try to create them and put them in the future. And that positive energy that I get from that really expands on my work. So I don't really like, you know, problems don't bother me as much anymore because I'm like, whatever happens, I have this that I'm going towards. I kind of created a framework for myself years ago and it really helps me out. And I feel like on a daily basis, thinking about that gives me confidence because I don't think confidence is something you can just like have forever. It's a constant work and constant like, you know, work of imagination and, uh, you know, success that, that creates those little achievements 
that in the long run, then it could be called a confidence. I believe that confidence is a muscle. So you know how with everything, every muscle in your body, you have to train it to get better. And if you don't, it just gets flabby. So for example, I I haven't worked out really in the past month. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's no muscles there anymore. (laughs) Got to train them. I think confidence (laughs) is the same thing. You do little steps progress is progress. So I think that's what you do really well with a lot of events. And I've seen you at events. And you're right, every single thing you do in public, every piece of art that you create, it gives you just a little bit in your toolkit. And I love that. No, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, that's literally like how I do it. It really works. Trust me. Like, <laughs> I feel like it is something that works for like, you know, at least the majority of people I know. Successful so, but people again, I always... that you probably know who buy your art. Literally, that's well, a I, <laughs> These are the little things I picked up. But there are two people that I listen to on a daily basis. It's Ed Milet and Grant Cardone. Those guys mm. really push me forward. And like, I feel like a lot of ideas and, and things that I say come from those guys. And that's what I'm saying. I feel like a lot of people would relate to this because I see it works for you know millions of people that follow them. So Now, interesting. To, to take a little bit of a pivot, I mean... A lot of people struggle with getting customers, whether they're in business, uh, if they have their own service business, product business. um, I'm sure artists are the same way. With you, you obviously, as you said, rely on word of mouth, especially in the industry that you're in, luxury market space. Could you give some pointers or tips to people how to develop your network properly? Maybe there's some things that you've done well, some things that you learned in the process of how to get those customers, how to get out there. One of the biggest things that helped me out from beginning, like the first art I created was auctioned off at a fundraiser. At least at the beginning, it shouldn't be financial. Even when a product is created, they have to like put a lot of money into marketing before it hits the market. It's just the way it works. And like for me, I kind of started looking at, okay, if I have a luxury product, if I already created that, what kind of people do I want to put it in front of? And then that kind of gave me the idea of starting to, you know, uh, work with uh, fundraisings and my, even my first artwork that I created after, like, you know, after I took my art public was uh, fundraise at an event uh, at Ritz Carlton that with the proceeds that went to children's uh, education. So it's just like, that's how I started my brand. And I kept that really close to my brand as well. And last year, like, you know, you know, we did the event with CAMH. We did, like, I did an event with Sick Kids. I did an event with Humbleberry. We were supposed to do an event actually with Princess Margaret Hospital in May, but that kind of like got canceled because of COVID reasons. But it's always something that I always have these kind of connections to make sure my art is showcasing from the right people and it's also out there for, for a good cause. I didn't start really like putting out my art to make money out of it. I just wanted to like create the brand first. It was kind of tough at the beginning because when you tap into the luxury market, you have to have a specific evaluation. So that comes from like, you know, from your story, from what materials you use, from like, you know, where you want to go. And holding up to the evaluation is hard, especially at the beginning, if you're like tapping into your credit cards and everything to like, you know, to create your first couple of pieces when people are like, you know, are coming and offering you a little bit less money, but it's a lot of money. You have to say no to them because you're holding up to your brand and your standard. So it's like you really have to hold up to that and just you have to keep on pushing it and, and showing it to the right people. Yeah. You didn't take a shortcut or I guess a, a little bit of a pay cut just to make 
money you you stood with the with the prices no i'm I'm still the same it's hard i still have a lot of people that contacting me for like you know to to give them discounts it's just for me i can't do that because unless there is a reason behind it that i can kind of like a social purpose i I would say behind it Nuts, but like social purpose, if it's like branding purpose, marketing purpose, it's something that kind of like that makes sense for my brand. Other than that, like, you know, I can't do it. And it like for me it has meant losing thousands of dollars, but you just have to like holding up to that standard is extremely important. Now, that kind of like reminds me of Louis Vuitton. Um, a lot of times when I was actually going there with a couple of my friends and they were dying to buy this bag that was like, I don't know, like four or five thousand dollars. And these guys like have the cash in their hand. They're like, just take my money, give me that thing. But they're like, you know what? It was limited edition. We don't have them anymore. Like that's how brands like this really like, you know, hold up their value as well by not really like, you know, making it too available. It has to be appreciated. And I try to do the same thing too. That's why I don't create my art series that often. Like I do it maybe like three, four times a year because I don't want to like, you know, put a lot of art in the market. Because I want them to like, you know, hold their value and increasing value over time. I love what you mentioned about, you know, making sure you create pieces that are valued, but also make sure you stand your ground on the price. Because you know how a lot of people say the subjectivity about the pricing of art, right? Because at the end of the day, the price of it is what people are willing to pay for it. So you kind of have to figure out whether you're, let's say Nordstrom or whether you're Walmart. I would assume the yeah, art I mean, space is also the same in a sense, just like any other business. You have to figure out what your price point is, right? If you are in a market that can't appreciate that price, you're just in a wrong market. The only thing you can do is change your market, put like you know, put more effort into, you know, putting it in front of the right marketplace and um, or right potential clients. And then that would solve the problem. I mean if if you see like the kind of disposable income that's being spent on art in internationally, annually, it's ridiculous. It's all about really like, you know, you putting yourself in front of the right market. And then like, you know, you won't have any problem with any, you know, pricing as long as your story and, you know, everything around it kind of makes sense for that person to, to purchase it. Well, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> with 2020. So which brings me to this interesting <laughs> concept of, you know, um, everything is going digital now. Um, yeah. I know you obviously, you do a lot of events, you do a lot of fundraisers that are also in person. So COVID presents an opportunity or a challenge for you, your business. And what do you see going forward as a trend? And then how are you going to deal and manage with the consequences of this pandemic? At any point, if you do our homeworks right, there's always a way to grow. That's a mindset I always have. So when this thing actually hit, I actually had an event in April in New York. I had an event in Monaco in May. Then I had Portugal, Greece. Like these, like all these events were like set to happen throughout summer. But yeah, I had to like cancel all of them and like potentially postpone it to like, you know, till uh, whenever it's like, you know, it's possible to do so again, maybe like next summer, hopefully, or, or maybe after that. But then for me, I was like, okay, so this is a step back. So I'm like, what, what are other people doing? So then I looked at Art Basel and I said, everything's going online. For me, then I'm just, a lot of times when I get stuck uh, with work, I just start Giving, like that's something I feel like I read that in Rich Dad Poor Dad book years ago that like it was saying one of my dads, like every time like, you know, you were like 
there was something negative happening, he would, would just like, you know, start giving out money to people that, that are in need. And I always believed that. And I actually brought that concept uh, into my art as well. So what I do is uh, a lot of times when I'm kind of stuck with something, I create something for, for a cause. Either it's going to be auctioned off or it's going to be gifted for purpose to, to help something or someone. So with this one, I created those um, three Kate Moss images that are love, hope, dream that is actually on my Instagram. So when I created those three, I started like tapping into like, okay, which operations, which charities, what do I want to get involved with? So one of them that I got involved with, with Operation Ramsey, they started to auction that art off, but then they wanted like a right platform to do that. So they started partnering up with, with a company in UK that's hosted by a bunch of financial companies. It's like an auction that's going out actually like I think the next week or the week after on a website called Art & Co. It's actually being built right now. So what they're doing is uh, they're auctioning 12 of those pieces online. One of their pieces of money is going to Operation Ramsey in Toronto and the other one is getting distributed into a bunch of organizations that's, uh, that's for like COVID relief in Europe. So it's like, that's how now I'm getting kind of like, you know, I'm getting some sort of marketing and that kind of connected me to a bunch of financial companies that now they want to work with me. And as soon as this thing is done, I have to go to Europe and meet them. When you look for ways of creating a path, you just find it. Anytime that I'm stuck is because there's no action. Although I'm a visionary person, but I have to have action behind a lot of my stuff on a daily basis. Otherwise, my energy is just stuck. So that's how I would do it. And that's how I'm doing it. Right now, I'm just trying to like branch out to companies that I can potentially work with, either for fundraising or any other ways. And that also like, you know, that gave me a lot of exposure already. And I'm, I'm still like, you know, although this thing is um, slowing a lot of businesses down, luckily for me, it's actually been a very busy uh, two months. I'm still working on like seven different projects that I have to finish up. And it's all because I always put action behind it. Like I don't let it sit still. And that's something that I, you know, that I'm kind of like used to. I love that. I totally agree with you on, you know, the action creates motivation and then brings the muse in. A lot of great writers usually say that, you know, you kind of have to wait and be patient for the muse to show up uh, to write. But luckily she shows up every day at 9 a.m. because that's when they actually sit down and start writing, which brings me to, I guess, the next question on discipline and routine. Do you find that you have something or are you the artsy person who just let it be? Oh, no, I definitely have to have a routine. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of have OCD too, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I can definitely work in different you know, environments because I have to because I travel. But as much as I can, I have to have control over my routine and over my space and over like a lot of things. If it's not like that, it takes a lot of my energy because it just distracts me. I have to have a routine. Like every morning again, I wake up, I have to look at inspirations. Before eating anything, I definitely like to like do some sort of a workout for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. Doesn't matter if it's like sit-ups, push-ups, whatever I can. And then um, I have to do that. I have to take a shower. Then I can like have a shake. That's like, that's my morning routine. And then uh, I try to like really not eat until like 5, 6 p.m. that much because it just really like, you know, takes a lot of my energy. So I Wait, so you don't have breakfast over lunch? No, I stick to a shake. Usually like, let's say if I wake up at 9, I have my shake around like 10. And then usually around like 1, 2 p.m., I have something very light. Like that could be, you know, like a couple of pieces of fruit or like, you know, it's usually like a snack with like Greek yogurt or cottage cheese, something that basically my body doesn't 
use a lot of energy to burn. Then usually like, you know, I have my actual kind of like one meal uh, around like 5, 6 p.m. And then at night I have another shake. Again, I love going out at night and I love going to like restaurants and having dinners and stuff. But for now in like, you know, in this situation we are in, that's my routine. But that's just usually like, your routine every day, even without COVID, right? Like you usually don't eat that much during yeah, the day. Yeah, usually. Un- unless I'm like going out, unless I have like dinner meetings and stuff. I love it. This is crazy. Mm. I actually, you know what? I agree with you on the energy saving part because before COVID, I used to do intermittent fasting. My first meal of the day would be lunch and then I would have dinner and then I wouldn't really snack because my body wouldn't want snacks. So now that we're always home, now we're eating breakfast and then my body demands food by lunch as well. And then I realize that I snack way more and then I also eat dinner. So I think right now I'm consuming way too many calories. And my body's in this constant production state. Like it's always consuming and it's always requiring energy to digest. So I like your style. I think uh, I'm going to I, I tried intermediate fasting too. It didn't work out for me because before eating, I was so hungry to be able to focus. And then after eating, I was so tired that I couldn't focus either. Like it was a constant lack of energy somehow because I didn't have enough food in my body or because I had too much food in my body. This one is a lot easier for me. I feel like it keeps up my metabolism higher too. Intermediate fasting works for a lot of people. I just don't know how or why, but for my <laughs> body, it doesn't work. <laughs> so no, I tried it. I tried it for a month. I didn't like, you know, it wasn't something for me, but I had to try it out. For teach their own. I mean, obviously we're not doctors. So whoever is listening, probably figure it out with your doctor first before you follow any kind of advice. Because Yeah, I know it's, it's also like body. keto dieting too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to try different things. See, well, like, our bodies are so different. I never believe one thing works for everyone. So there's so many different things out there. You have to just like see, really see what really works for you and your lifestyle and your, you know, your body and then just go with that. Hey, I, I used to be one of those people. Hopefully I can get back into it after COVID. So now question for you, if you could go mm-hmm. back to your younger self and yeah. recommend to give yourself advice on anything, what would you do? If you could go back and, you know, recommend something or give yourself a younger self advice, what would you, what would you yeah. say to your younger self? Or if you could change something, what would That's you That's a very good question. I would start anything that I'm doing right now, like a lot younger, because I know um, if I had the knowledge when I was 20, this knowledge, I could, I could definitely start what I started, like, you know, when I was 30, when I was 20, like it would definitely, like, it would still make me excited. But again, like, I think it was a process. Like, a lot of stuff I use right now, a lot of knowledge that I have right now that I use in my art came from my photography because my photography was a, was a very long process too. I got into it, then I had to like see what type of photography I like, then what really excites me, learning the whole process and like marketing. And like, luckily for me, it wasn't that different from what I'm doing now. So I couldn't say I wasted my life. So that's good. But <laughs> but I could definitely start it earlier. I would definitely say like, you know, instead of doing 10 years of photography, I would do five years of photography and then become an artist. Ah, I like that. I think a lot of us should listen to that advice because I mean, the same about if I could go back and tell something yeah. my younger self, I would say, you know, start things a lot sooner. Just start. Doesn't matter yeah. if you maybe not have the confidence or you think it might not have the skill. That's how you develop it by just starting. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Well, sometimes now, you just have to really go through the process to like, you know, really build that confidence too. So, yeah. Absolutely. Going forward with 2020 
COVID situation, the isolation, and all the other things that are coming into effect. What do you think going to be the major trends? And if people are looking for opportunities, where do you think from your lens, where are those opportunities right now to get into? Like, what should people start right now? Around two years ago, I bought a course uh, around like how you should create your own online business. And it's an amazing course. It was like teaching you how to go back to, you know, who you are and like see what you can teach other people and, you know, turning that into a course. I think that's where we are right now because the first thing I think anyone should do, and that was like a hard part for me, is to change the definition of financial you know, system for yourself. It's like a lot of people are stuck with the whole like, you know, month to month thing. Like for me, I love the project to project situation. I'm like, okay, I usually like count the amount of money I make quarterly because I've had my corporation since I was 17. Like when I got to Canada, that's the first thing I did. I just opened a corporation and I didn't even know what I want to do with it. But I just like, I feel like that really would give me a framework of having to owning a business. And that just teaches you how to, you know, think that way, like be like, okay, so how much money am I bringing in every three months rather than, okay, like how can I pay my bills every month? When you make that switch, it makes such a difference. And you're going and from like abundance, just- actually. That, that's what the mindset is. You, you have the abundance. Mm-hmm. Like, how much money am I bringing in? How much money yeah. am I supposed to generate? I love that. Yeah, because like for me, I don't, it doesn't matter if I'm like, if I have to pay like a thousand dollars rent or like five thousand dollars rent a month. I'm like, okay, let's just take a look. Let's see how we can go around it and make enough money to be able to have marketing. The problem with a lot of people and a lot of my friends actually too, when I talk to them, they just they're like, okay, so I have like two thousand dollars rent and I have like a thousand dollars, like, you know, expenses for food and all that stuff. And then, you know, like a thousand dollars for the car. So I need four thousand dollars a month. Right. So they're happy with 4,500 to 5,000. What I'm like, if you have that, then you have to make like 15,000 or 10,000. You have to have enough money to do other things. You have to be able to, you know, market and create businesses. Like that's how my brain always works. So when I talk and to them, like, I don't get it. No, I don't believe in saving that much. I believe in making your money Investing? work for me. Right now, I invest a lot in myself. That's why, like, when I travel, my travels are very costly and I didn't realize it until I started like, you know, going to Miami and LA, just like traveling alone doesn't cost much. But when you're traveling, when you have to create art, when you have to ship art, when you have to insure it, and then you have to like get a storage, store the art, and then, you know, transportation within the city, hosting an event, bringing sponsorship, it's next level. Like when I did that, doing those stuff in Toronto is like, nothing compared to like hosting events that I did in Miami and LA. And they're, they're very costly. They're like, they cost like uh, $10,000 plus for like, for one event, which is like, like two weeks. And it's just like, you have to be able to like easily spend this money. I don't want to be at a point that I'm like, okay, I'm going to tap into my credit cards and like, you know, spend everything. And I hope I had to, for me, before I started uh, going internationally, I had to make sure I understand my business. I understand how to make money in Toronto. And then I can expand that to, to whatever I want to. And that's like doing that properly allowed me to start doing this like a year and a half, two years after I launched my company. Cause you know, uh, it brought enough money for me to be able to like, you know, market internationally. That's how I look at everything. I don't really look at, you know, how much rent I have to pay. I'm like, okay, how can I bring in like, you know, $50,000 every three months? Because I need this to grow my business. 
then I have to figure out a way or like how to bring in like $75,000 every three months, depending on how, how big you want to kind of like, you know, grow your company. That mindset alone makes such a huge difference. It's insane. Like that really helped me a lot with how I'm positioning my marketing right now. It's definitely a mindset, but it's also, again, it's a daily watching people that are already there. That's why I watch like Grant Cardone a lot because he's very knowledgeable when it comes down to money and marketing. And when I look at him every single day, when I look at his videos, it really puts you back to where I should be mindset-wise to be able to kind of like, you know, tap into this every day. If people want to start something right now, which industry, I mean, obviously, other than starting a company and probably going yeah. digital, which industry yes, do you think industry, is going to yeah. be hot? I would say uh, they should definitely like, you know, grab courses like they might cost anywhere between like you know two three hundred dollars all, all the way to like fifteen hundred dollars depending on what you want to learn i would say spend money on re-educating yourself because a lot of stuff right now that we know doesn't work anymore and a lot for me it was the same thing uh, for me every single uh like couple of months i think well not anymore at this point but i used to go to miami to take boot camps with Grant Cardone. And and I take this stuff because they really like changed me and changed the way I kind of like look at different situations. So you have to like keep on evolving yourself. And a lot of people are scared or they think the way they are should work out regardless of what's happening out in the, you know, in the outside world. You might have to become a whole new person when it comes down to like, you know, to understanding business and marketing because yeah, everything is changing. So what they should do, in my opinion, is taking everything that's taking stuff online and uh, doing something. There's something they can teach. I feel like that's the fastest thing they can do. Or if they can't do that, it really depends on where they are, though. Like a lot of my friends right now, they're making money off uh, creating uh, you know, products that is needed uh, internationally. Some of them are in Europe, some of them are in Toronto, some of them are in U.S., they're creating like, you know, masks and sanitizers and they're creating um, like any, anything that you can imagine that's needed right now. But uh, again, that's where they are uh, knowledge-wise. So they had their knowledge into, is into production and they can apply it to that. If your whole company is basically like, you know, going down and you, you have a job, really learning about online business is the best thing they can do. And there are, there are a bunch of amazing courses out there. Actually, the first thing they can do to, to start learning is to go to Skillshare. Ooh, if they go to Skill, yeah, Skillshare is amazing. It's free for the first two months. If they go to Skillshare.com slash TEDx, uh, they have this like, you know, this two months free thing with, uh, that's a promotion with like with the TEDx talk. And they can start just learning from thousands of different things. Each course is like an hour, so you can like start watching at least one course a day to see what you relate to more, and then you can kind of expand in that. I love this. I actually, during this COVID situation that we're experiencing right now, I um, signed up for Masterclass, and uh, they had a promotion yeah, going on. So I, I've been listening and learning from amazing writers and uh, actors and chefs. And it is amazing. And there's so much stuff out there for free. Like a lot of people do a lot of stuff out of passion first. And so when they start out, they put out a lot of content free of charge. And yeah. this is such a great opportunity to consume, um, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Like there's all these platforms where people put out their information for you to consume. So I think, I think it's important to do that. Now, Absolutely. what's next for Max? 
what's the future looking like? What are you focusing on this year or I guess next little while? Well, again, my focus was into um, expanding into Europe this year. But now with everything that's happening, I'm starting to uh, create my connections with uh, with more building developments. I'm putting together proposals on like how I can get involved, what we can do, how we can kind of like, you know, um, kind of take this to another level because I can still create and ship art pieces. I have artworks available in Miami and LA at this point. Like right now they're up for sale. So I can focus on like, you know, taking that to developments itself for them to kind of see and have an idea of the process. Every day that I wake up, I have to like sit down and write down, okay, what have I done that worked since two months ago? What's the end goal that I want to get to? And potentially like, you know, what can I do sitting in Toronto that I can kind of like have the most effect on my brand outside of Canada? So those are, the, those are the things I try to like really like, you know, answer to. And then that, that's kind of like, you know, pays my direction. This is extremely important. I, I do actually the same thing every morning. I sit down and I write down the main things I want to accomplish today. And then I check in back with my goals because I review the goals that I started mm. in January every single day. Yeah. I know some people do it like monthly and weekly. I do it literally every single day to make sure that, you know, it's fresh in my subconscious and I'm taking well, steps to, every yeah. Yeah, I, I so believe in the daily routine. It's worked so much better for me. It's vital to, if you think about it. Now, fire round. Every single guest that comes on here, I ask the following questions. A millennial is, a millennial should be, and a millennial is not. So, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. A millennial is. I think a millennial is hope. Why I'm saying that is uh, I feel like a lot of people right now are literally like, when I look at my parents, they're looking to see, they're looking at younger people to see what they're doing because they're like, a lot of people that are come from the mentality of like, you know, especially in the workspace from years ago, they're always looking to see how they can turn their life around, how they can kind of like, you know, because everything is changing so fast. They're looking for so many answers. And I feel like as millennials, we have to kind of like, you know, make sure at the same time that we are like, you know, we're taking care our, uh, of ourselves, you also have to create hope for people that are older than us to kind of like, you know, to, te- to teach them new things, to show them new ways and to, to be like, okay, you know what? Like, you know, all those stuff are changing, but there is a way. And kind of like, that's why I feel like we are a huge hope for a huge part of po- like population. As you can see, you're also like, you know, asking me what people should do at this point. And a lot of these courses, when you watch them, they're all done by like, by young, you know, 20, 30 year olds. And these are people that are like, kind of like taking control of understanding the new situations and really like, you know, expanding that to the communities. So I feel like, you know, that's why hope really makes sense here. I love this. And we definitely haven't had this answer before. So thank you. Now, a millennial should be. I feel like, uh, again, considering what I just said about uh, is, they should be a role model. It's such an important thing for you to actually put yourself in that mindset. When you think that you're a role model, all of a sudden it makes you think differently because like, you know, you have a lot more responsibility. And then when I think myself, how I can basically like, you know, be a role model I have to kind of like, you know, come back and look at myself from a third person point of view to be able to answer that question. Because I'm like, okay, what would I do? Or what would Max do in this situation? It's almost like you're like writing a novel around yourself. Being a role model is like, it's also another great way of 
changing kind of like, you know, your perspective into changing your world at the same time, helping others around you as well. You're so good. Now, a millennial is not. For that one, I was actually thinking a lot. What I wrote down, like, you know, is not limited to the past because a lot of my limitations come from stuff that happened in my past that are, that are not even relevant to my life right now. And I know a lot of people are slowing down because of stuff that, like, again, um, some of them could be very tragic. Some of them just could be, like, you know, uh, could be just on the surface, but it just became a habit for them. Letting go of the past and uh, just starting your day from where you are right now until, you know, where you want to go is going to just uh, give you so much more energy. Like, you have so much more energy to to put into, like, uh, what you want to create. So I feel like, you know, that's something millennials shouldn't be. Just they should forget about their past as fast as the world is changing. We should change, you know, with the same pace. So, you know, how are you going to have time to, to let your past affect you, right? Oh, you're so good. Those answers are amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. So with that, uh, where do people find you? How do they get in touch with you if they want to know more? Tell us everything. My website is as updated as it could be, but not as it should be. Um, I'm, I'm very active on Instagram. That's like, that's definitely a platform. If people want to get in touch with me, they can, you know, direct message me there or they can like, comment under the post and I always read everything. Hopefully I get to a point that I can read them all in one day. My website is maxjamali.com. My Instagram is at maxjamali. With that, thank you so yes. much for coming on. Thank you for sharing all the insights with us and all the advice. You've been amazing and you're welcome to come on anytime. And I'm sure I'm going to ask you to come on again after COVID is over to see where you at and how's the business going. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Like, I really appreciate you thinking of me. And, uh, and I really hope uh, with the support of each and every one of us, uh, we can kind of like, we can go through this as smooth as possible. Absolutely. Thank you, Max. Thank you. I'll talk to you very soon.